Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness, Season 3, Episode 4. My name is Travis, and I'll be your keeper tonight, and we will return to our story on the 6.30 to Boston, where Detective Glover and Mr. Whitmire sit in a booth staring out at the New England countryside. It should be noted that trains are a strange place to be if you're a Chris character. Nah. But before we get into it, let's get an introduction from our investigators. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Detective Jack Glover, currently on suspension for a shooting incident. Uh, and I guess I should now be nervous about being on a train. Thanks, Travis. <laughs> I'm Brandon, playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, because I don't have what it takes to be a doctor in real life. <laughs> and uh, currently just stole a, uh, stole something from a crime scene, <laughs> as doctors are known to do. Maybe that's why you can't be a doctor in real life, my man. <laughs> and I am Justin playing Lance Monroe, everyone's favorite person. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I am just hoping for some good roles this, mm-hmm. this session. This last session was horrible. <laughs> I'm John playing uh, James Whitmire, the uh, smuggler extraordinaire, except for when I have to be a thief. (laughs) All right. So as we closed last week's session, Detective Clover, I had mentioned that you saw a young black fellow who seemed to be paying close attention to you or perhaps Whitmire. You recognized his face, you think, from your time in Harlem. One of a bunch of folks who gave you the old stink eye while you were waiting for Whitmire. While coincidences might not prove that an old dusty book causes bad luck, in your line of work you have found when things get circumstantial, that's when they get interesting. So anyhow, for now, the young man has averted his gaze and he's just looking out the window as most people are doing if they're not engaged in conversation. And there you and Whitmire are sitting before each other. I forget how much, like, prior conversation like we've had i don't really think we talked too much i think <laughs> well if you did it was sort of like off screen you know because yeah. you've been on the train for like an hour or so maybe so i think i'll just uh tell them that uh like uh when this train stops with my uh pretend you don't know me for a bit <laughs> it looks like we might have picked up someone and i figure whitmire being a criminal will probably be able to go along with that pretty easily <laughs> what say you whitmire um, yeah, I mean, as you, you sit next to people you, you don't know on the train all the time, so as I'll just uh, go about my business, but uh, if I if I pick up that he is 
uh, kind of looking, you know, past me or off to the side, then I, I will try to uh, sneak a glance, like uh, in the guise of uh, maybe rummaging through my uh, overnight case or something. Okay. Well, you can both give me uh, the education role. It's going to be at the hard level for you, Detective Glover. All right. But just regular for you, Mr. Whitmire, since New York is your stopping grounds. It says if we had a harder extreme success, right? So I can just yeah. roll normal. Okay. Twing. I've succeeded uh, hard. Okay. So with that quick glance that you take, Whitmire, while you look into your satchel, or, you know, maybe that's where you kept the bad look book, but you take a look in that and uh, you see this young man sitting back there who is stealing glances, you're pretty sure Detective Glover's way, but mostly keeping his eyes averted. But, you know, somebody trying to look incognito because you're kind of using the same tactics right now. But uh, anyhow, looking at this kid, you know that most of the work that young men get in Harlem is like menial labor or work at like jazz joints as doorman or other nightclub positions. That's what's legal anyways. As far as rackets go, many guys are involved in what's called a numbers game. So you have these guys that are called policy kings or policy bankers that bankroll the numbers game and they give loans to, you know, Irish kids, black kids, because they can't really go into a bank and get a loan based on what they earn, you know, since it's all under the table. Uh, anyhow, so these young guys end up as leg breakers or runners. So between the policy kings and the mob, there's not like a salon or corner store or restaurant where you can't place a bet, you know. And the way you can tell who you can place a bet by is they wear a killdeer feather in their hat. Sometimes they change it up if, if they're cracking down on it, but they haven't really been paying attention to numbers games lately because uh, Prohibition has made the booze the uh, black market for booze so so problematic, right? So anyhow, that's what you see is that killdeer feather in this kid's cap. And you know they're either working for an independent policy king or at least half of them are mob operated. So that would be the Italian mafia. Okay. And I mean, me being able to pick uh, Glover out so easily as the law, I would imagine that this kid has clocked it too. Right. Is that what it seems? Yeah, I mean, it's the way Glover makes it seem, though, is that you, well, I think he said outright that you guys have a, ta a tail. So why would a, a runner or a leg breaker for a policy game get on a train to New York to follow Detective Glover? That's unusual, right? Okay. Well, maybe he really, really maybe. just wants uh, <laughs> Detective Glover to Place a join bet. in. Yeah. He really needs to get one more, and he says, this is my guy. Going to follow him all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no matter where he goes, he's going to place a bet. All right, all right well, so I mean, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll play along with uh, with Glover's ruse here. And, uh, just sit back up and, you know, kind of whatever you do on a train at that time period, like twiddle your thumbs, yeah. right? I read the newspapers. So. Mm. So what's the plan then, like, when you guys stop, you know, let Glover get up and see what this kid does, and then you tell behind the kid? Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking. That's what I imagined. Okay. We're on the same page then. Okay. Well, great minds think alike. <laughs> that's how I'd do it. Gotta, Anyhow. You, you gotta think like a criminal in order to catch a criminal. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, you have a couple hours left in the trip, which 
passes on without a vent other than the conversation that you guys probably aren't having because now you're trying to look like strangers. But And Detective Glover, you can grab your things and head on out the train. Yeah. Uh-huh. As uh, as indiscreetly as possible, I will try. I'll just tell him the address of the Order of the Silver Twilight, I think it was. Whatever that yeah. house is. Yeah, and just basically uh, in, in hopes that he understands. Yeah. I also, last time you had sent a telegram to Monroe saying you were going to meet him at his Curioso. Oh, okay. okay. That's right. Like so, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just something. say that address then. Okay. And uh, instead, so that uh, the way I, if all goes to plan, I should know where they're going. All right. Yeah. So I'll, yeah, I, I think I kind of figured we were heading towards Monroe's. I think I yeah. know where that is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll share a good day, you know, and uh, with many, uh, ah, excuse me, sorry. Come right. through, I'll just make my <laughs> way out the train. Yeah. And sure enough, that kid gets on his tail, uh, still doing a fair job of, of not being too suspicious, although in your estimation, Whitmire, he does seem a little green, a little too wide-eyed to have been in in the work for long. But uh, you fall in behind him, and you guys exit the train and, and get out there in the station, and everybody's going their separate, separate ways. But you're pretty certain that he is sticking with Detective Glover. But go ahead and give me a, a stealth roll to uh, keep from alerting him. I have success. Yeah, no problem. You uh, know a few more tricks than he does, plus he's not really aware of you, So, of anybody tailing him. So what, what's the plan from there? What do you want to do, Glover? Cause I'm going to kind of walk around and then you know, like kind of wander to an area where there isn't too many people okay. and uh, maybe uh, ask some people some directions here or there. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, see if he tries to jump me or anything. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you kind of get off the main thoroughfare by back in Boston there, and, and you're trying to go where there's less foot traffic and give him an opportunity to make a move. But what you're catching in the glimpses where you see him there is he keeps his distance. And uh, Whitmire, your estimation of him is that it looks like he's just watching. So Yeah, just trying to tell where he, where he goes. Right. Hmm. All right, then I guess... Uh... Man, I think I'll hail a cab and I don't know, maybe uh maybe see if I can just lose them, maybe start heading towards uh a flop house or something like okay. that. Some place where I can stay the night. My so, wife isn't in town, so she won't worry. <laughs> so you you uh flag down a cabbie and and from your perspective, Whitmire, you see this fella do the same thing, but you get in your cab quite a bit before he's able to get one. You think if you don't get the cabbie to step on it and get out of here quick, uh, he's going to be able to get, like, have one follow yours. So if you can get him moving quickly. Let's see. It's been in level 10. Let me see. Yeah, here. I'll. Uh, What's yeah. your uh, credit rating or appearance? Me? Yes. Uh, Lowest one. 36 on credit rating. Appearance is 50. Where are we going tonight? New in town, just looking for a place to spend the night. Some sort of, I don't know. What do they got in the set time? Is it, they have motels and hotels? They got Yeah, and boarding <laughs> houses. Yeah, you know, motel, hotel, boarding yeah. house, someplace close he, by. He kind of takes in your, your scuffed, you know, jacket. It's a nice jacket, but you have to wear it a lot. You don't have a ton of money. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, wife takes as good care of it as she can, but you've had it for a few years now, and he's like, oh, oh yeah, I know a, a boarding house. Um, I'll head right there. I'll uh, give him, I don't know, what do you say, like two bucks right off the bat? Okay. Maybe a buck. And I'll, can you can you speed it up, too? I'm, uh, I'm tired. been on that train all day. I'm looking to get some sleep. Sure thing. Thank you. Get you there in no time. Yeah, then I'll make conversation with him as, you know, like, you know, what's, what's happened around here? Do you listen to the game? <laughs> There's probably a baseball game going on. Yeah, we're not doing too good this year. He goes in and he, he gets into, I think, what is the Red Sox, right? That's Boston's team, yeah. So, yeah, they're just not doing too good this year. Just getting stomped game after game, but what can you do? Uh, meanwhile, Whitmire, you've seen both of them get into a cab, and you can see that that kid just doesn't hail one in, in time. And so he pops back out of the cab once yours, you know, tears off down the road, disappears and, and calls it lost. And so he just starts walking in your direction, Whitmire, I guess, back towards the train station. Oh, man, that's what I should have done. I should have just had him go around the block. <laughs> hmm, okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, hang out. I mean, I wasn't trying to hail a cab or anything. So as okay. uh, just be kind of leaning up against the wall as you do in in the 1920s uh, rolling a cigarette, a cigarette. <laughs> yeah and uh wait for him to go by and i'll i'll yeah tell him back was just make sure that he gets out of here see if there's anything else that i can pick up yeah so um maybe i'll mug him if you want I, I mean, <laughs> well you're trying to get a presence in new york right you might want to be careful about some of that stuff nah, nah. <laughs> Glover, you can change your mind after you see, like, you look out the back of the cab and you see he's still trying to flag one down and you figure he's not going to get on your tail, not unless he's lucky. You can still tell the cabbie to, you know what, flip around and, and take me to the other, the street on the other side, right? Or something yeah. like that, right? Um, I think I might not. Ah, uh, you know what? I, I apologize. I think I forgot something back at the station. Could you just, oh. Hang a U-turn, maybe head to, you know, like guide him around the block and drop me off there. I'm so sorry. You're uh, the boss. And I'll make sure I pay him about what the trip he suggested yeah. probably would have cost. Yeah, so he flips around. That dollar and, should about cover it. <laughs> yeah. Huh? And uh, drops you on the other side. How much did you just say, John? Ten. He so gave him two. Dollar. No, oh, a dollar. dollar. Two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I was asking how much, so yeah. Yeah, so yeah, keep the change. <laughs> All right, Whitmire, so you follow that young gentleman back to the train station, and he has the look that he is frustrated about, you know, losing who he was supposed to be looking at, but he doesn't seem too distraught about it, and what he ultimately does is is go buy a, a ticket out of Boston on a train. Okay. But yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, Right, all the way back. Was, uh, obviously, we have more important things to do. No, uh, tell the cat. I mean, is, is if there's any other information I can glean, right? Is all like I'll, I'll wait in that area for a while until. Well, how how late does the other train come? How long is it? Uh, he's getting the last one out. Um, Pickpocket him <laughs> as near as you can tell. The last set of trains. I mean, there's a few going different directions, but. Yeah, so you can't really pick up anything um, without, I don't know, coming up with some idea of figuring out where he bought the ticket to or or risking getting close enough to see that information, that sort of thing. Uh, 
real quick, Charles. I'll <laughs> yeah. tell the cabbie to keep it keep the meter running actually, and so okay. send him off. So when he parks right there, yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna run back into the station real quick as far as he's concerned. Yeah, I'll I'll go up to the ticket teller um, after a few minutes and just say I'm I'm looking to get out of town. Uh, uh, well, I guess sorry. How many people, uh, if I waited a couple minutes, would go in between him and me coming up? Yeah, there's four people that were behind him in line. Okay, so I'll, uh, yeah, as I'll go up when it's my turn, say I'm looking to get out of town, uh, give me a ticket to to uh, wherever, and I'll kind of describe a generalization, I guess, of that guy. It's like, I saw that someone there, give me a ticket to wherever they're going. I, it, it it shouldn't be a big deal, honestly. Fast talk like, it? <laughs> no, I'm not well, calling not for a role. Not even that, man. Yeah, he just, yeah. he just says, uh, oh, heading out to New York, huh? You got family there? Uh, nope, but I just want to get out of Boston. Okay, well that'll be ten bucks. All right, yeah, I'll give him ten bucks. <laughs> All right, and you have yourself a ticket back to New York. I'm gonna give it to uh, somebody else, <laughs> <laughs> an eight-year-old boy there by himself. Yeah. Here you go, kid. Uh, here Thanks, you go, kid. Mr. Get yourself <laughs> to New York. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, you give it off to somebody. Start singing if I can make it here. I'll, I'll sell it. it for five to somebody else, right? Okay, so yeah, you can, uh, yeah, go ahead and do a fast talk one on that. We'll see, because usually when you come up with some solicitation, most people are just like, uh, no thanks. So we'll see if you can get enough words in quickly enough to get uh, them to. Oh, <laughs> push it. Get, get bopped by a cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will. I'll uh, I'll push, push it? it. Yeah. Oh, can I arrest him if he uh, fails the push? <laughs> <laughs> go for it, Whitmire. Nice. There you go. Nice. Hard success. Yeah. yeah. So you're able to to recoup uh, five dollars of that ten you spent. Uh, you just sell it to a businessman who looked to be in a rush. I know a good deal when I hear one. <laughs> ten is more yeah, than five. I'll, I'll uh, go and. Uh, Start looking for my own, my own ride over to uh, Monroe's. Yeah, you actually, when you come out of the train station, uh, Glover was on his way up from where he had, had the cab waiting for him. Does so you guys kind of bump into each other again, pick each other out of the the people moving about. You know, yeah. I don't know if I would have gone to the station. Oh, I, think, I probably would have walked away from the cabbie that. Direction, oh, I thought but... you said you were heading back to the station. My bad. So no, yeah, you're... I said that to the cabbie, so he'd. Right, flip a flip a U-turn. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know where Whitmire or the guy that was telling me went. So I probably would yeah. have first like started kind of looking around, seeing where okay. they were kneeling. Yeah. So what would you do? So let's say your station is here, and then you had a street, and you like we the cabbie put you off over here. So you have like a row of buildings between you and the yeah. street station. So, so. It, it, I would probably headed back towards the station because oh, okay. that's where I left. All right. Them, but then. Like it would depend on like how much like what they were doing when I get there or it, yeah the station's visible so like if I see Whitmire heading back towards the station yeah I might hang around somewhere by the time you would get to the station he would be in the side yeah so I'd, like buying a ticket so it's sort of the same difference as you'll see him walk out of the station from wherever you're you're okay. at right so yeah I'd probably be I don't know I might have hung around maybe see if I could spot him yeah but if not I'd probably be think about heading back to the cabbie and then saying change your plans we're going to monroe's yeah you definitely don't see that kid again uh, that you think was following you but you do see whitmire come out of the station 
at some point, assuming you wanted to leave the station or do you want to run a scam where you buy tickets for $10 and sell them for five until you're out of money? No, I I was just uh, (laughs) trying to recoup some of the cost of the information. Okay. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I do, I finish that. I'm I'm going to to get a cab and head over to Monroe's. Yeah. So when I see him, I'll kind of, you know, make myself known. He his cop senses probably detect me though. <laughs> Smells the cigar. <laughs> That's a cop cigar. Right. <laughs> so where are you guys heading from there, Monroe's? Yeah. Think? Yeah, Monroe's, and I'll, I'll I'll give Andrews the or not Andrews, sorry, Glover the information. Uh, you know. Basically, once he lost you, he went back in and, and bought a ticket back to New York. Oh, you got some uh, got some enemies up there? Of course not. I don't work out there. Uh, somebody seems to know you. I obviously blame you for this whole mess. <laughs> it's probably something you did. <laughs> and all right. I did was secure the book. All I did was secure the book and start blasting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was an accident. <laughs> As uh, accidents happen, that's that's why I, I don't even uh, don't even own that piece anymore. I don't want to talk about any of this in front of the cab driver. <laughs> I told him like turn off all music and listen up, cabbie. You're in for the ride of your life. No. <laughs> you're just setting up your backup investigator. Yeah. Um, all right, but yeah, I mean, we obviously I'll just let him know that yeah, a guy went back to New York. Yeah, once he once he lost you. And then uh, twiddle my thumbs again. Yep. All right. Speaking of Monroe's, uh, let's reel back the clock a little bit and head over to Monroe and Dr. Andrews, who had just stolen a book or from a crime liberated scene. a book from an apparent crime scene. And you had just been let off the hook by the police after they got your statements. And uh, that was a little bit of a process, you know. Not too much. You just had to hang out until the detective got there and had a look. And uh, FYI, for you, Detective Glover, the, the homicide squad oversees, like, all of Boston. So you guys work the whole city together. They do have, like, precinct-level detectives, but they usually don't work, like, homicide. They, they'd be looking into, like, fraud or something like mm-hmm. that, like games being run in the thing. So you're at least acquainted with, like, Detective Nichols from last season or Detective Fallon, who apparently split town recently mm-hmm. and um the detective that is that currently interviewed dr andrews and mr whitmire or sorry mr monroe is who went by the name of bell or randall bell but you just had a brief interaction with him he was a sharp-eyed fellow perpetually chewing something sunflower seeds when he first got there a toothpick after he came out and he just asked you a few questions but if you guys want to give me a psychology role so it's kind of as you're chewing it over in your head on your way back to wherever you're going next. Oh, uh, it's starting now like it did last time. Yeah, yeah. we're oblivious. Yeah, we- he just didn't seem at all interested in for anything like that about you guys. You guys were just the, the ones who happened to smell it. But, Andrews, you had that feeling because you took something out of the crime scene, that inescapable feeling of... What do they call it? Spotlight syndrome. Yeah. yeah. So you were kind of paying attention, trying to see if he was, you know, playing it cool or something like getting you to admit to something. But the questions he asked you were completely uh, disinterested. Just, you know, like, how'd you, how did you know the person in there? That sort of thing. And he did ask to look at your PI credentials. So you were able to flip out your, yeah. your little folder for it, your wallet. 
Anyhow, what what were you guys doing from that point on now that you've liberated the book and you've been cut loose? Yeah, when we were supposed to go back to your yeah, to his shop to meet meet with my them friend. who said they had a book too. <clears throat> oh, okay. You have some time before they're supposed to be back in. Are you just going to skip the dinner with Dr. Call? I mean, you guys do that a lot. It wouldn't be unusual from his perspective. Well, that was just him that was invited, right? Yeah. Right. I'm sure you're welcome yeah. wherever. Yeah, if we of got, course I am. I'm welcome anywhere. I, that's just who I am. Yeah, if well, we got time, I'll go. Monroe's meet, never go. invited, but yeah. uh, Dr. Always Call <laughs> always wants. He's always so disappointed when Andrews never shows up. All right. So where are you going to keep the invitation Yeah, to Dr. Call? So yeah. we had to reel back the clock a little bit. They're still on the train uh, back to Boston. Okay. You should expect their arrival around 9 o'clock tonight. So uh, if, you got a few hours. If you'd like, Dr. Andrews, I can take that book back to the museum with me so that you don't have to tote it around. <laughs> just, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll I'm just doing you book. a favor, Andrews. <laughs> put, the, put the hammer down, Monroe. No. All right. So you uh, give him the blood-soaked copy of De Vermis <laughs> Mysterious. Yeah. Maybe I'll stop by Lamar's shop and have him <laughs> see I if found. he can clean the book for me. <laughs> Lamar, do you know any ways in which to relieve a book of bloodstains? <laughs> All right. So we, the two will part ways. We'll stick with Dr. Andrews as you head over to the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, have Lamar see if he can pick up any spirits from the book. Have him do a reading on it. <laughs> no. Don't do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Poor Lamar. <laughs> Got to take him apart a piece at a time, not just kill him outright. No, don't have him read the book. Just <laughs> right. have him, you know, like put his hand on yeah. it. But yeah, I, I, I think I will once I get back to my my museum. You know, take it in the back room and start trying to clean some okay. of that stuff off of it. Oh, it was most wonderful. Apparently, Lamar, the man's face was scooped out as if it was soft ice cream. I didn't see that part. So, but for the sake of did you tell Lamar? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we hadn't got around to. It. Talking about the talking about details. the details. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't make it past the front door. I started vomiting <laughs> instantly upon smelling it. So all right. So yeah, you know the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight is a few blocks away, uh, near the Charles River. So you head in that direction, Doctor Andrews, and you see the familiar Romanesque structure. It's three stories. Currently, they're still working the construction on this third story for planned apartments for order members to stay when it's required. You know, they have like a, a scaffolding up there and some canvas tarps sort of blowing lazily in the night wind or the evening wind. And uh, you head on in the front and you're greeted by the door guy there, you know, wearing the nice clothes, button-up jacket, white gloves, and, you know, you're accustomed to them taking coats or whatever items you don't want to be labored or, you know, laboring with while you're in here. Yeah. And he also um, asks you, shall I have the bar prepare your gin, Ricky? Uh, yes, please. Thank you. Okay. So um, the way they do it for meals at the Hermetic Order is they usually just have like an open period in which they'll be serving something, right? And, you know, it's in that big dining area kitchen. So you kind of walk in there, you see some familiar faces, some not-so-familiar faces, because they're even now acquiring, you know, newer members. So there's some people you recognize, some you don't. But you do spot the good Dr. Call, 
in that dining room. He's sitting at the table with a few others. Uh, one, you recognize that baby-faced young man, an accountant, if you remember. You think his name was Valerio or something like that. Uh, but the other three men you uh, that are sat at the table you know less well, although you have seen them in passing. But Dr. Call is kind of on his own. Knowing him, he's probably scared off. He has like the Monroe effect on people as well by being too needy. But he's sitting there with a stern-faced bearded man, and uh, they're kind of talking back and forth a little bit. But uh, when he sees you come in, his eyes light up, and he beckons you over. He has taken to be acting like a proud mother uh, upon your guys' increase in rank because you've been brought up to his level, mm -hmm. initiate level. So he kind of maybe takes some ownership of that increase in status, like he had something to do with it. But yes, he's gesturing you over to come sit by him. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll go over and join him. Saying, Dr. Call, good to see you. Thank oh. you for the invitation. Dr. Andrews, I dare say you are a sight for sore eyes. It is good to see you. How have you been? I've been well. How have you been? Well, as well. That's mm. redundant. <laughs> uh, well, anyhow, I, I called you to dinner because I had a proposition you might be interested in. Uh, let me introduce you here. This is Todd Russell, and he points to the dour-faced man. Um, he is a editor. Well, maybe I'll let him say it. Uh, yes, Mr. I'm Russell, and you are the good Dr. Andrews, I take it? Yes, pleasure to meet you. Well, I am the editor for the Medical Journal of Medical Questions and ans uh, Answers, and I've been talking to Dr. Call here that I'm in need of you know, people to do some, some reading for me, you know, to, mm -hmm. to go through the research papers, to do some work, some peer review. I have more preprints than I know what to do with, and I could use all the eyes on, you know, sussing out the good articles, to, the, the good research papers to put in my journal. And Dr. Call mentioned your name. I see. So what, uh, what, what sorts of things does your, what is this, uh, uh, what does your journal center around? Medical questions and answers. You came up with this journal, by the way, last season, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> like, but is it, um, would this be considered a, uh, an academic endeavor or, or would this be centered around the unexplained or mysterious? Uh, no, it's just, uh, all above board. Uh, just it's technological and pharmaceutical based medicine. And I know, as I understand it, Dr. Call says you're not a, a researcher, but uh, a practitioner. Mm -hmm. However, that shouldn't bar you from being able to do what I need from you. We just we need people who can look at a research paper and read it mm. and, you know, make corrections to the author, uh, recommendations, recommendations to me that this should, in fact, be published. Mm. It's, I won't lie, a bit of a bit of work, but I think it'll be worth your while. This is a paid gig, and... Mm. We are a prestigious journal. I see. Um, you know it's scientific because it has the most basic name, yeah. as they do. Yeah. Like their magazines are called Science mm -hmm. and Nature. Yeah. <laughs> There's not an artist among them. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, so what do you think of the... Well, is it something you're interested that in? That does sound interesting. Yes, I, I do. I, I think I would... Uh, Definitely, in principle, be interested in that. Well, when uh, 
not to seem too needy here, but when could I start pushing uh, research papers your way? Immediately. Very good. Well, that's what I like to hear, but I will have to excuse myself and leave you in the company of Dr. Call here. I, as I said, I have more preprints than I know what to do with, and I'll get to work right away sending some copies of the most likely candidates, I think, that you should look at. It was nice to meet you, Dr. Andrews. Is there a tinge of desperation in his voice to flee, Dr. Call? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> you can see that uh, if you were to judge it, Dr. Call was uh, maybe a tactic. He's going to get Dr. Call as a peer reviewer, but he needed somebody <laughs> mm. <laughs> more reasonable, uh, Dr. Andrews, to work at him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, in a meta sense, if you keep this, um, keep this up, it... Could come with a credit rating increase, not that you need it anymore, <laughs> provided you do well at it. Uh, also, doing favors for order members is how you increase your order standing. Right. Um, however, it will take a portion of your day that you have to set aside to do it, you know, mm. two hours uh, every day except for Sundays. Okay. You'll have to put aside for doing this, going through this peer review process. Yeah. Ah, Dr. Andrews, as I said, sight for sore eyes. I, uh, I haven't heard much about the strange and weird lately since I've been outside of your presence, but I'm wondering if there's anything going on. But uh, there is something I want to show you before you tell me all the juicy details. <laughs> of, uh, uh, anyhow, take a look at this. And he pulls out a copy of the, the typo, right? The rag that he's yeah. always peddling around. And uh, he, he, he shares it with you. Show that to you. There was a part of me that was hoping it was just another copy of Dave Vermis Mysterio. <laughs> just shoot him right there. <laughs> yeah, I found it at a corner bookstore. It's not even cursed. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, he's, you got this uh, quarterly published or monthly published uh, magazine called The Typo that is less than reputable that you've now read far too much of. <laughs> Uh, the prolific Gary Riggs writes article after article about truly odd things. And this is from the July 1921 edition. A mighty blow has been struck against the forces of darkness. The mammon-worshipping pigs who seek to force all the free beings of Earth into a pyramid with them at their peak now understand what it is to feel defeat. Why must we work for others? Is it not enough to follow our God-given instincts? Is it not enough that we do not harm others? I did not elevate these masters, did you? Nevertheless, I have it on good authority that a force for light has struck at the heart of the darkness. The serpents have now been forced to crawl to their subterranean places and lick their wounds. However, just as we remain vigilant against our society's hierarchical illusion, so must we stay vigilant against our wounded enemy. One day they will crawl back into our lives and whisper to us about power, wealth, and forbidden knowledge, just as they did in the beginning, for who can set straight what God has made crooked? If you suspect someone to be one of these loathsome serpent folk, ask them to utter their phrase, Kanama Kalajarama. <laughs> because of the shapes of their despicable mouths, they will be unable to utter the phrase, and the light of truth will pierce their guise. Crush them under your heel. But if they can utter the phrase, then you may know them to be human and made in the image of God and thus worthy of joining together in love unending. As you return to your dinner tables tonight, I ask every man to raise a glass in honor of the unknown soldiers who battle the shadow and give thanks for their great victory. 
Who's a? <laughs> <laughs> Someone's following us. <laughs> Who's been posting? <laughs> yeah. Whitmire, have you been bragging at the local speakeasies about uh, what we've been doing? No. <laughs> now, you know, uh, Dr. Call was kind of on the borders of your investigation from the months previous. Uh, he didn't know all of it, but he knew a great deal of it, enough to identify this as, you know, having something to do with what you had all been up to last yeah. time. And uh, he just wants confirmation. He's like, Dr. Andrews, uh -huh. they're talking about us, right? We did this, the forces of light. Yeah, so I'll look at him and I don't know, I'll say maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this drives me crazy. <laughs> You're always keeping things close to your chest, Dr. Andrews. Haven't I proved that I'm a worthy companion, mm, a stalwart yes, companion? Indeed you have. But uh, while it certainly may seem like he's talking about us, it could be anything. Make him say the words. Now... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do me a favor, Dr. Cole. No, no, I want everybody at this table to say the words. I'll close it. <laughs> no, where was it? <laughs> yeah, so I'll I'll point that out and say, "Do me a favor and say this." So he kind of puffs up his chest and he's like, "Kanama Kalajarama." <laughs> I am no serpent person. <laughs> now I know for certain that you are human and made in the image of God and thus Huzzah. worthy of joining together in love <laughs> unending. Yes. That is why I ask you, Dr. Andrews, to give me the chance and I will be a stalwart companion. Kanama Kalajarama. Yes, of course. I mean, you were a great help last time so uh, now the last month has just been dreadfully mundane nothing interesting to look into or poke around <laughs> in just the regular old day in and day out please tell me watching the light <laughs> shift over the barrel of a 38 <laughs> that's right he had the intention of packing up all his wife's knickknacks but he he can never move beyond the first one he goes Instead, to put in the box he just and... wore her dresses and cried <laughs> while drinking a bottle of whiskey <laughs> i need a serpent person to distract me from the misery of my own life but it send him into every uh subterranean tunnel in boston <laughs> <laughs> so yes that it, it uh i did bring you here to to I'll talk to you know get that offer but also this and i wonder if there's something new so now you see just as uh russell had used dr call as a ploy to get you into it he used this offer as a ploy to get information out of you yeah he's not so crafty as he thinks the good dr call actually i i give him props on that that's <laughs> yeah. pretty good for him <laughs> i learned it from the best <laughs> Bring him along. Uh, okay, so then I'll be all like conspiratorial and I'll lean close and say, <laughs> I am working on something. Do tell. And I'll, I'll tell him that broad outline. Okay. Some land that I was, that I and my friends inherited from Meriwether. It's haunted. Something evil that does terrible things. I don't think this is reptilian people, but, uh, it's definitely in that direction. Okay. And what's more, and this should interest, interest a fellow doctor, one of the 
the victims that we found involved in all this had their whole face scooped out as if it was soft butter with a spoon. Have you ever seen a wound like that on a corpse? Uh, no, that Neither is exceedingly I. unusual. It's quite disturbing. How would such a wound be caused? Exactly. Was there any destruction around the room? Uh, no. I no. mean, I've seen some some strange things from men who work on ships, but you know, yeah. you usually have things traveling at high velocity. Velocity. No, no, there was no sign of any sort of disturbance in the room. It was messy, like you'd expect from a college student. Hmm. Well. But anyway, that's what I'm working on, uh, if you're interested. I am we interested. We might be able to find some ways you can help us out. All I need to know is what you need from me. So I'll pause him while I th think in real life, like, what we could do. <laughs> 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 well, I'll... Uh, I'll definitely let you know. I mean, we're still in the early stages, so I haven't quite wrapped my mind around what's going on, but I'll definitely keep you in mind. You have my word. You were a great help in the last... Yes, and have you, have you considered my offer to join you in uh, Whitmire's PI firm? I mean, I'm no detective. I, I read detective novels a lot, but I know that does not make me a detective. But I think I could have my uses in, He'd go in some ho. way. <laughs> He'd start blasting people, punching stuff. I would even work uh, as as an unpaid intern <laughs> for a period of time. An apprentice, as it were. He's going to catch charges from all the femme fatales he encounters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I I have spoken with Monroe, and uh, but you understand... We just don't have enough business at the moment to, you know, ah, yes. to justify. But we're definitely keeping you in mind for certain. Well, as we could send him as a patsy, no, as like a bait up to the house to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah, go make it comfortable go, go for stay us. The night yeah. At the, yeah, just go and walk around the property, see how it. <laughs> <laughs> well, nevertheless, I shall stand ready. For your call, Dr. Andrews. One call, that's all, Dr. Call. <laughs> does, he, does he, like, take his jacket and kind of raise it up like a cape? Because wherever evil lurks, the forces of life will fight snake people and demons alike. Yeah, Dr. He, call descends into the madness. <laughs> he does that, and he's like, uh, I embarrass myself. It's just one of the detectives in my story. He says, he's a little dramatic and... Yeah. Sometimes I get taken up with the types of things you seem to get into, Dr. They, Andrews. I, well, I, I appreciate your excitement, Dr. Gall. They got the talkies, yeah. Yeah. The shadow. Yeah. Well, the we'd shadow have to, nose. Yeah, it'd no. have to be like some non-trademark. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, he, he'll uh, ask questions that he's already asked to try to suss out more than, than you know, really. Yeah. Uh, ad nauseum, so... Uh, anyhow, uh, in in rather poor taste, given recent events, the dinner served here tonight was roast pork, mm. but uh, it's expertly prepared, and nothing else of interest occurs unless you make it occur, Doctor Andrews. No, no. Once I've had dinner, then I'll, t you know, excuse myself and tell him that I'll keep him in mind as soon as we know more, and then I'll go over to Monroe's shop when it's time. All right, Monroe. So you had. Headed back to your shop, and you'd mm -hmm. gone back into the little storeroom where you do most of the preparations, where most of your cleaning and various things are. You have a nice desk there to work at. Yeah. And you have this copy of the De Vermis Mysterious. Maybe you even still have a sarcophagus chained up 
that nevertheless feels like an open door at your back. It's actually out on the floor. <laughs> oh, right. You it, moved it out. Yeah, I moved yeah. it out there. But I, I did uh, like seal it or something. Seal it in a way that at the very least I can see at a glance if it's been opened. You should you should make it part of the attraction. Like it is. Put, no, like under lock and chain and with like a sign, a warning door to the mystery. You know, like no. yeah. Yeah. do not open big bold letters in red well you gotta you gotta sell it in a way that people will believe it death is not the end death is a door to what lies beyond yeah so i i could (laughs) i could possibly bill it as like a a sarcophagus of eternal life where it is rumored that you know you place a dead person in it and they will rise from the dead but not be themselves anymore or something along those lines now i have a scenario idea about a group of kids or you know college kids that are that learn about this experience they can have it's sort of black market go through the sarcophagus door yeah. and, but it's really just a monroe like character testing the limits of the device or something because he doesn't want to spend his mm-hmm. own life on it anyhow yeah i so, could see monroe you know doing that <laughs> at some point yeah. you know maybe in the if we play until the 1970s or something like that if well, he's still even, kicking even just play until his sanity is is uh worn down right and, you have <laughs> to hire an old janitor now too so he can warn kids away don't want to go near that coffin <laughs> no sir people get sucked in never seen again <laughs> that's what that's what my uh oh, what did i name her was Isn't it she like sassy anita? she's too yeah, sassy anita. <laughs> yeah can't have a sassy person dispensing warnings no 1920s sassy female perfect for for the for that uh fast talking oh you don't want to be going around that so do you stay open late on uh, like a friday night to catch extra business or maybe couples looking to yeah, for the most part, is like if I'm not there, then you know the hours that Anita works is the hours that open. But right. you know, it, if I'm there, then it's open as late as all as you're willing to do it. Yeah, yeah, as long as I'm willing to stay there. Well, if it's still open, you have like a a couple, you know, like an interested couple just looking at what you have there. And yeah. I don't imagine you can pass up the opportunity to <laughs> introduce yourself yeah. or whatnot. But we'll move past that point unless. Yeah. You want to make it interesting. No. Uh, and you're in your work area and you have this book opened. And um, as I said, it was blood or bl- blood damaged it quite a bit. There's a, a good su- section around where it was open that has blood okay. has seeped through the parchment. Yeah. Now, this, uh, this book, at least in its purported age, is around like 400 years old. Right? Okay. Which is pretty old. And it's not in the best state, but yeah. it 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 it's kind of interesting because that Merwarder Chronic, which is much older, was actually better preserved than this one. But you know, handling and stuff can have a lot to go in into that. But it does kind of highlight just how well preserved that book was for being, you know, yeah, a thousand years old, basically. Yeah, I figure that. Uh... Like just my archaeology background from college, you know, I, I learned some techniques on how to preserve and how to clean um, artifacts and things like that. So, yeah, I'm sure I've got some sort of solution that I can use that that won't be damaging to the parchment. Well, you have uh, two main problems. Uh, One is the amount of blood, Mm -hmm. and the second thing is the fact that I got to sit there and set up over a period of time. Yeah. Uh, Neither is a problem. Just dump it in a bath of peroxide. And then let it dry out. I now have an empty book, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, just dry clean it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, 
man. Might it because like parchment is like leather essentially. Yeah. So you might be able to lift some stuff yeah. from it. Well, that's what we're gonna say because yeah. I wouldn't know how it works. And we'll leave it up to your archaeology skill. But yeah. we're gonna come in at the hard level. Well, we're just gonna go based on your success. So it'll be kind of open, and the higher up you roll, the better. Still, okay. better I off will be. Lamar to help you. <laughs> well, he's not doing anything oh, about the spirits. Yeah. Hard. Nice. Almost, okay. almost. Uh, yeah. Actually, could I use luck to push that to an extreme to get uh, the best I could possibly get off of it? Well, yeah, you could if you want to. Because let's see, extreme would be well, critical would what? be the best. Would be a complete recovery by some okay. miracle. You could spend yeah. fifteen. <laughs> um, but extreme would just be two more points. Yeah, if you want to go to extreme, you could spend the two luck. So yeah, I'll spend the two luck and uh, make it an extreme. All right. So this is just working out the process. So you know that this is going to divide your time up uh, to do the cleaning because it yeah. becomes like a very detail-oriented, careful process. Yeah. But you you can get started on it while you're there. You figure out what solutions are going to work. And at the extreme level, you'll think you'll make a nearly complete recovery where the paper or the parchment itself... Uh, like on most of it, except for like maybe those first few pages that took the worst of the damage. Yeah, right? where the blood really soaked yeah. in. Where it almost kind of wore down the material that mm. was used, right? Is this going to have the, uh, like the spot you clean in the carpet look? Yeah. Where that's... it's going to have one nice clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's what you'll be working on by the time uh, Dr. Andrews returns from his dinner at the order coming into your Curioso there. It's just like a sitcom set piece now, your storeroom. So he just walks in the door. Yeah. Kind of comes yeah. sliding in. <laughs> yeah. He pulls Kramer and yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be at my desk, like diligently working on it. Top hat sitting off to the side. Yeah. So w Dr. Andrews, you see Monroe there with, you know, he's got a bunch of things sort of laid out different solutions, solutions that he's kind of working at that uh he had he was in the process of testing and letting see letting letting it dry to see how it looks so he has a bunch of dabs down the edge of a blank piece of parchment that was in there and uh kind of coming up with the best way to get this blood off god my god sir you've done an amazing job how did you do this yeah, uh <laughs> yes you may may not uh believe me but i was actually quite adept at my archaeology uh, I believe that I may be able to get a nearly full recovery of the text. This is much better than I expected we'd be able to do. I didn't realize you had this talent. Uh, and, of course, you haven't got to the hard pages yet, so yeah. he's kind of looking at one of the, the more lesser stained ones Yeah, that, that it was lifting out pretty easily. But Yeah, but, yeah it should take me uh, a little bit of time, but in a few days, maybe a week or so, I, I should be able to recover most of the most of the text of the book. Well done. All right. So after some time, you hear, again, another commotion from out in the lobby in the, the viewing area. And this would be Detective Glover and Mr. Whitmire returning to meet you here, as they said in their, tele in their telegram. So you guys walk in to the back. Mm. Well, this is your first time there, Detective Glover. So you see uh, a bunch of... You know, Peruvian artifacts. Stolen like, property is what I'm seeing. <laughs> right. Plundered from various countries around the world. Yeah. 
And there's these little placards, you know, they'll be on a stand or something, and you can go up and look at these little placards, likely written by Monroe himself, I would expect. And, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> probably an overly flowery script. You just hear the voice when you read him, the Monroe voice, and you're like, it's a statue, right? Yeah. He just spent mash <laughs> that's supposed 200 to. words on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. A mask that, uh, helps you conceive a child. And you took a uh, arm's length of placard to spell it all out. Yeah. Maybe it's a little Jay Peterman's. So you get you like a little of where you found it in the context mm-hmm. of your emotional state. Yeah. Well, I guess at this point I'd have like three different sections. I'd have like yeah. my original section that was all, you know, Native American and early settler artifacts from the New England area. And then, then, Peruvian then the Peruvian ones. And, then, and now this. Yeah, and then the, the Egyptian. Egyptian. Authentic Egyptian. Yeah. Sarcophagus? Yeah. Yeah, so I so. guess I'll do a quick perusal. I'll just kind of go around, and then I'll head back down. That's quite a collection you got out there, Monroe. Ah, uh, yes, thank you. It's taken me nearly a lifetime to to gather it all, and I hope to continue to add to it, but... Really? I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Ah, it's fascinating. If there's any piece in particular, I can tell you the exact location I found it and, and its <laughs> significance. I'm sure you could. Any that look particularly hot, like uh, illegal? <laughs> oh, um, I don't know what. <laughs> no, most of them would, would be yeah. You know, like you find. Of course, you, you know, probably got like arrowheads and things like that. Then I'm not also, interested. <laughs> also, like the little idols, you know, the the mother idols from like, yeah. Europe that yeah. that were everywhere at the time. And what did you? Are you featuring the toad statuettes? One or, of them is out there, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> along with the rest of the Egyptian stuff, and yeah, yeah, and then I've got my my symbol over the yeah. Well, the theme you pick up is is this bend towards the weird a little bit, right? Because it's not just it's not just Native yeah. American artifacts. There's always some like weird story yeah. behind it, or like, something, you know? like a worship of some toad yeah. demon or something like that. Like this, this was an image that was found in a cave predating all modern, like Christian or Judeo uh, Christian beliefs and <laughs> uh, so on and so forth. Right? Yeah. 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 It, given that it's, you can see it is a smallish collection, but it's been growing. However, it's well curated, well curated. And this is a point of frustration for you, Monroe's because it's just not taken with the public really. You yeah. Know? Uh, you, you get enough to keep you going afloat, but you think it's a matter of marketing and that's why flyers go out everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, anyhow, so yeah, you're all in the, the storeroom at this point. And, um, I don't know how you guys work with, uh, where Maya, he's a dang maniac, <laughs> just pops through a window and starts blasting. <laughs> so blasting, all, uh, what? Well, he did it only once. He's that's quite reserved yeah. for Whitmire. <laughs> <laughs> Who did he it shoot? Is, but uh, not a dang clue. <laughs> oh, so you did get a you you did get a copy. We yeah. we retrieved a copy as well. Uh, using I'll the, I'll look at the uh, bloodstained yeah. copy they received. Uh, Our copy's cursed. Say <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe cursed, but at least you can read it. I'll yeah, at least that's what Whitmire's. <laughs> at least that's what Whitmire was telling table. me. Gosh, yeah, the curse made him shoot off oh, wait, a pistol. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, anybody with firearms should probably get away. That's what he's been telling me all night. I ha- it stayed in the holster, hasn't gone off once. Mm. Suit yourself, plop it out on the table. Uh, so, yes, that's a, 
That's a good break. Now we have two copies of this. That means we can sell one for, um, I mean, we can send one back to the gentleman who lost his in New York. That's right, Whitmire. Good boy. Seems to be learning. (laughs) Well, you, uh, so you have two copies there now. This book is written primarily in Latin. So for you, those of you who don't read that, then it doesn't mean anything when you look at the pages. But yeah. uh, oh, yeah, this, this is Monroe's you, territory. Is I, I was just sent to acquire the book. You, what's your Latin? Uh, Latin sixty, I think. Yeah, so mine's fifty. So we could probably just both of us each yeah. take a copy and. Start I'll start studying. at the back, and you start at the front. Yeah, yeah. if you want to take the <laughs> copy that they retrieved, I can, you know. I'm sure that you know the process that I'm doing will is fairly um it it's time consuming. Yeah. So I may have to like mark some a page with some cleaning solution and let it do its thing before I wipe it off and so yeah, as I'm cleaning it I can do a little bit of reading in it. Anyway, boys, unless we got anything else to discuss, I've been on a train most of the day. I think I'm going to head off to bed. Good night. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna. I'll take my usual spot and start climbing up on the stack of uh, <laughs> artifacts <laughs> that he has in the warehouse, oh, like yeah. a dragon. <laughs> Before they get there, I, I did want to um, kind of have a conversation with Doctor Andrews about not telling Doc or the Detective Glover how we came about the book or the. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, yeah, he would. Perhaps it'd be best if we don't tell him that right. uh, it was removed from a crime scene. Yeah, where, no. Yeah, let's not. Uh, you wouldn't need, something that you I wouldn't forgot need about. To remind me of that. <laughs> Do I see the book covered in blood, or is it? Does is Monroe kind of able to? Well, we can uh, since we're kind of thinking about it more, and we're kind of setting up a partition here a little bit between you and them. Uh-huh. Are there any precautions that you're going to take with those book when you know you hear Whitmire and Glover come in, or or is it just to say maybe not say how we got it? Yeah, yeah. Not say how we got it, and just say that uh, when we did find this copy, uh, it had been damaged, and so I'm attempting yeah. to re- yeah. repair it's it. A, it's well, a in that case, copy. yes, you do see that it's covered in blood, but you you would be able to say it's not recent just by looking at it, right? So, yeah. but yeah, it definitely was around something bad that happened. Yeah, it's a library copy, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what the... they're low on public funds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if he like really questions it, just say that the uh, that we had uh, gotten it, um, and we had discovered that the previous owner had uh, come to an unfortunate end that was fairly ambiguous on how he died, just that his death had resulted in damage to the book. Mm-hmm. You take it at face value, or you want to see below the surface? I can try to see below the surface. All right, who's doing? Who's our talker on your side, Monroe? Whitmire jumps in. So it's (laughs) going to be you. (laughs) He defends it. He's like, "Oh yeah, they just find these things. (laughs) Don't worry about it." Uh, Can do it as a persuade. They find him just like I found this one. Persuade would probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys are gonna. You're gonna take some time with. Yeah, you're sitting there talking, you know, getting all the threads back together because like you guys went off rolling tonight. Point. Though now you can, you don't have to do psychology necessarily to see through persuade. It's kind of like a little bit like Shadowrun, where you can use you understand the tactics of persuasion, so you can actually roll persuade versus persuade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's higher than your psychology, then you can 
you guys can do a persuade huff. Aha. Nice. Monroe yes. doesn't mess around. Extreme success. No, I'm talking circles around. Well, we'll see. I was prepared for this lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're the same, so I'll go persuade. We'll just yeah. persuade off. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah so, so it's just that barrage of too many words to explain what happened, and you're kind of thinking, if this guy did get it by foul means, he would still be stuck there talking to <laughs> whoever he accosted along the way. <laughs> There's no way this guy could make a criminal, or at least not a very good one. Yeah, so I'll just drop it. Yeah. Uh, unless I hear anything else. You know. Right. Okay, so everybody's going to return to their homes, or I guess Whitmire sleeps there. Yeah. So you well, became one I mean, of his safe houses. Sleep, <laughs> yeah, wherever. Was, when they start making I, I TV got a little dinners. place up on the uh, the stack of artifacts. I guess the TV would have to be. You'd probably uh, just crash in my on my couch, my right. little loft above the I, museum. I remember when I was watching the coffin that was a portal. As I had, uh, I had uh, went up on the top of these artifacts. I thought and like made a little bed. So now that's one of my crash houses. <laughs> When he accidentally dies up in there because of the curse, you just let his body mummify and you can display it later, Monroe. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So as I had mentioned, you, some of you guys have books. Uh, you can do your reading in the evening and that can count as like a day on your book. Uh, so Monroe, what are you going to spend your time on with the rest of your evening? Uh, the rest of this evening will be uh, probably spent like prepping the book for... Repair. Like the cleaning the repair. Yeah, uh, doing whatever process I need to to like keep the pages separated so that uh, they don't stick together and right. You know, like, I don't know, putting layers of linen or something in between them. And on my way home, I'll stop off at a late night uh, diner or something like that, some greasy spoon, and get myself dinner. Because okay, wife's still out of town. Yeah, no cooking. <laughs> And the first TV dinner was in 54, so I'd uh, have to wait a while. <laughs> you can make a pact with the gin to create the TV dinner. <laughs> I just want a quick, easy to prepare a meal. Doesn't have to be healthy, just fill in. Really? That's it? Uh, Dr. Andrews, how did you want to spend your reading time? Um, so you're taking Whitmire's procured copy yeah. of the De Vermis Mysterious? Yeah. Does his weird hand go key off on anything on it, or... No, not in this case. But um, he's a little bit more focused with it now, so he kind of keeps it happening from an accident a lot. Does he get any weird like heebie-jeebies from the book? No, not 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 unless he tries to do it specifically. Mm -hmm. I, but maybe not even then. Nobody uh, knows. Yeah, I, I guess most of the stuff I was about to say, which was like, was it uh, what was his name Corbett? It was almost like poison gas in a room. Mm -hmm. It took a while, but that information kind of went by the wayside <laughs> with Johan. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'll take that copy. But as far as reading, wasn't I think there's a book that I'm trying to read through. Something happens if I finish it. Uh, you have the book of a Abermelon and, and a Grand Grimoire. Which one was it? I think you had bought them both with the intention of reading them, but they're uh, any book could potentially. Well, I think he's give into you one a, already. Yeah. I, was into I think the, you had started the book of, Von I Rippon. did. Yeah. Your, uh, 
wasn't the Grand Grimoire like uh You bought it later on fluff. in the season. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a fluff occult book where Yeah. But some might say the same about a, a book of a Brahma Abramelin. It depends on your level of belief in it, right? You know? yeah. But the Grand Grimoire kinda had this reputation of being like beginners uh occult reading. So put another day on there. It's the R. L. Stein mm. in the horror genre. Some people look bad or look uh, poorly on it when they get older. How could you do this to me, R. L. Stein? <laughs> Childhood ruined. <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, all right, because that's one of my uh, one of my what do they call it motivations is to get the other two books of that series. Right. Okay. So yeah, I did read that. So then yeah, I would just be. I guess I would read uh, through this book when I get home for a little bit. Whitmire, are you still going to plug away at Nameless Colts? Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. So the everybody goes to sleep after their reading and getting dinner, and it's Saturday morning. I guess we'll, we got the Glover's morning. Let's see what Whitmire does when he, he wakes amongst Monroe's storage shelves. <laughs> So this would be day three? Yep. He wakes up cuddling the toad statue. <laughs> uh, August 20th? Yeah. Is Am I still able to enter that dream world? You can if you try. Yeah. I, or you I, know... I, you... I think I had to to try or do that to develop my powers there, right? Yeah, that's what you... I think you... Did you spend some of your time training that? Oh, no, that's yeah. what you were, you were doing... Uh, but yeah, the uh, in order to enter it like willfully, you guys had found that you had to make the the skill roll to do it, basically. So you'd have okay. to get a success on your dreaming roll to go there. And uh, if you did it at a higher difficulty, you could kind of bring yourself into a specific spot that you knew within the dream. So like Ulthar or the Enchanted Wood that you appear. Otherwise, it always seemed to kind of bring you back into that initial chamber where you had met the two mysterious figures. Alternatively, you carry a portion of that, or I think you have the bulk of the dream castle tobacco, which seems to force that, force you into the dream. I'll, uh, I'll find a good, like, sensor and uh, start letting that out into Monroe's warehouse. That <laughs> 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 way anybody who sleeps over there <laughs> is going to end up in the dream world. So you wanted to, while you were sleeping, you wanted to try to access the dream world with your skill. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and give me a Is dreaming in, roll. In the town. No, I can't. Nope. You weren't able to do it tonight. It but the... part of the practice of doing that is you're kind of picking up the knack for lucid dreaming. So you're able to tell when you're asleep and dreaming. It's just to get that uh, stoned stairwell to appear that leads you into that deeper dream into the chamber of deeper slumber. It's just not popping up tonight. You'll see it. You think you'll see it at the corner of your vision, but when you go to stride towards it and head into the dream, it it's not actually there. And that, so you kind of wake a little frustrated with no success, although still rested for the most part. Okay. But yeah, you see he has these in the storeroom. He has some high, but sort of thin windows that are, that are long. And so you kind of wake to the light streaming in from the east 
So you know that it's morning. Whitmire, what are you going to do? Um, I will go see what's new in Monroe's shop or his uh, museum area. I don't like to go when he's actually around because then he starts talking about it. So <laughs> I use these opportunities to just go and explore stuff by myself. <laughs> if he comes in, I'll ask him about the uh, the um, book that we recovered, though. All right, let's see. Uh... So, yeah, if he's sleeping in my, my workshop, I would have been in there till pretty late working on the book. Right. Um, so, and yeah, it, whenever he does sleep there, <laughs> I've gotten in the habit of re-inventorying things. <laughs> Everything. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, so far he hasn't stolen anything, but... Um... Like yeah, I suppose about stashing some booze in here, though. <laughs> <laughs> An empty shelf right here, but uh, use the sarcophagus as a booze storage place. Just yep. pass through to the other. You're kind of poking into all the corners and crevices for a little while, Whitmire. When you hear, because Monroe has his apartment upstairs, so you hear the the sort of thump of feet being swung over the bed, hitting the floor, and then and kind the of that running. slow sh. Because you're like a 40-year-old man, right? Yeah. So there's a little, there's kind of a slower, more careful hobble over to to do whatever he needs to do to to get awake. So you know he'll be coming no, through. 33. Oh, no. 33. So you're... Okay. Yeah, I'll... Every now and then. Take a, a couple minutes, uh, finish examining whatever I'm examining, and then head over to his workshop area and... Uh, didn't you have like some uh, coffee uh, set up in there? Uh, that would have been probably up in my apartment. So right. maybe well, because of your guys' next to the book, because of your guys' relationship, you just come down with the coffee and yeah. cups on a platter. <laughs> Whitmire, come down, you know, my <laughs> mug, and then have yeah. an extra mug for him. Yeah. All right. So another key detail for you, Whitmire, is that you feel far better than you did yesterday about. That sensation you got ever since you had that book in your hands, uh, you feel somewhat relieved now that it's in Dr. Andrew's presence or possession. So what are you two going to do then from there? I'll discuss uh, what what he's uncovered so far. Yeah, I'll just talk about the Egyptian hieroglyphs that I've been deciphering on the that little yeah. sarcophagus thing and... Uh, that after breakfast I'll need to head back to the library to continue my work on that. <clears throat> and that uh, how's your how's your museum coming? I saw you know, these new new displays that you had out or in there. Where did those come from? Oh, you know the uh, the lizard folk. I found some artifacts from from that investigation that I placed out there, and those are those are fairly interesting. And then you know. Every once in a while, people come by and offer me, you know, odds and ends to try and sell me on things and have to sift through all the junk that they have to find the actual pieces that are of value or if not of value, then something that people may find interesting that I can put on a shelf and write a story about. So I, I figure that that's, uh, that's the narrated uh, portion of it, but the conversation <laughs> probably takes us to breakfast and uh, going down to the yeah. diner that we normally meet. <laughs> yeah, I'll go over every single piece and yeah. Alright, Dr. Andrews. So you had this book in your possession for a little while and when you wake in the morning you just you just have a bad feeling about the day, unspecified, you know. 
Uh, I don't know if any of that was laid out to you. I don't think we did it explicitly just now about the feeling that Whitmire had about the book or its history. Mm. Did, did you guys mention all that? Or, uh, I think, uh, I mean, there was passing. a little bit. Yeah, just yeah but it didn't that it was really go into yeah. it that it was cursed. I did tell you to keep guns away from it, so yeah. fair warning yeah. there. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of reminds you of when you descended into the pyramid where, like, rationally you knew this was a bad idea, and it was oppressive when you got down in there and yet you persisted so that's what you just wake up with when you get up in the morning there's you know there's like a little darker cast everything but you don't you can't really put your finger on why that would be other than the horrible crime scene you were at last night that definitely can shade things but what's your plan for the morning before you head on to meet at olafferty's uh no i have no plans besides that so um it seems to me from like the letter from Meriwether that the most important answers we're going to find are in this book. So I need to go get a good breakfast and then I'll spend my day studying that. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Detective Glover, anything in the morning before you? Yeah, I think it's uh, me sitting there just in my tank top and boxers looking at a pot of oats again <laughs> and kind of just chucking a spoon in it and walking, get going and getting dressed and walking out because I'm going to okay. eat at uh, O'Lafferty's and stuff. Right. <laughs> Why did I make this? Yeah. Habits, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you guys... Uh, well, um, the wife watched me eating healthy. <laughs> right. Wives. But while she's away, <laughs> might as well go enjoy at some breakfast at O'Lafferty's. All right, Dr. Andrews, how do you get to O'Lafferty's, O'Lafferty's from where you sleep? Do you normally take a cab? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, give yeah, me because a... I have like a nice house, right, in Boston. Do you have mm-hmm. a driver? <laughs> I don't. I haven't got around to hiring one, so I'll just yeah. take a cab. Yeah. So give me a luck roll. You get yourself a short round. Uh, almost. Dang, I'm not versing any of you guys today. <laughs> All right. So. You know the phenomenon of waking up in the morning can be a little bit dour, but then as you go through your rituals and you take any of the drugs that get you going for the day, everything starts to look a little bit brighter. That's what you had expected to occur, but that feeling has lingered with you during the cab ride. But nevertheless, he pulls up in front of O'Lafferty's to let you out. Give me a spot hidden roll. Hmm. Nice. Okay, so you're going to to step out of uh, the cab when you spot like in like you just kind of spot out of the corner when you go to look something coming real fast behind the cab and then jumping up on the curb a little bit and you were just about to get out but you spotted it at the last minute and so you close the door uh real quick and you see somebody in another car like crash into um (laughs) like a trash receptacle (laughs) oh man (laughs) okay that was close i'll look up to the Gabby, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, how could I miss it? Jeez, Two you seconds think that guy's all right out onto the sidewalk. He was going fast. Was, yeah, did it like did his car like stop or did he? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it kind of list it careened through, but then it seemed like whoever's driving took their foot off the gas, and so now it's kind of coasting a little bit. Uh, just there's a slight slope in the street, so it coasts off that curb, and then it gets stopped there, like one tire off the curb. 
could be injured. Yeah, I'll get out and run up there. Hey, yeah. mister, you okay? All right, so there's like a portly fellow in there behind the wheel, and he's just got his head lolled back, and he's snoring away. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you smell a lot of, you know, alcohol. Uh, yeah. All right, well. Should have drank more. Yeah. That's <laughs> irresponsible to have enough drinks to make you sleepy right. while you're driving. He, uh, <laughs> he didn't get past smoke that point. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. the truth of it. Yeah, Should have smoked whole, more uh, Lucky Strikes. The whole car smells like cheap hooch. I guess I'll just like, can I, is his window open? Yeah. I'll yeah. lean in and like, you know, put it in gear so it doesn't drive off. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then I'll <laughs> let the cops take care of him. Yeah, you can see uh, a police officer down the way a little bit. He's yeah. starting to gravitate in that direction Yeah, from the commotion. Hey, officer, this man nearly killed me. I want to press charges, you see. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, it's too early in the day for that. Come on. And he starts slapping him. Come on, buddy. You know? Yeah. And the guy just mumbles some. Like, Care- careful, officer. You get too close to him, you might get drunk. <laughs> that gets a general laugh from the. It smells the, like he's got a juice joint in the car with him. The people look it on there. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean, that's that's what that ends up being. They haul him out and. Just put him on a bench there. Yeah. And uh, he makes plans to get the car moved out of that area. Yeah, 1921 it wasn't illegal to drive drunk and crash into people. Yeah, it wasn't until like the 70s or something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Better times. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, then I'll just like, you know, I've got some adrenaline going. Yeah. Then I'll head on into the... Yeah, so Monroe, you're usually restaurant. the last to arrive, so you, you kind of caught some of this... You know, you were looking, you were like, is that Andrews in the cab? And then you see him, like, open the door, but then slam it shut real quick, and a car jumps the curb and slams into a trash receptacle. And, and so you you kind of come up behind his shoulder at some point. Meanwhile, Glover and Whitmire were inside early because they're the early birds. And, yeah. uh, I'll kind of walk up to him, like, you making enemies? <laughs> I saw him try and take you out. Uh, he's drunk. He's passed out drunk. He's... So I don't even think he realizes where he is or what just about happened, but I was this close to stepping out onto the sidewalk. Yeah, those those fools are the reason why prohibition is uh something that may actually take. Yeah, you'll you you'll never catch me drinking alcohol, that's for sure. <laughs> just smoking <laughs> this odd tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to see you healthy and hale this morning. Did you have a chance to look over the book at all? Yeah, I did look over it a bit, didn't I, Travis? No, no, yeah. Keeper? No, I didn't. <laughs> no? Got home and I was tired, <laughs> fell asleep. He had, to, he had to finish the chapter he was on in the book of Aubermelon. Of Aubermelon, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's a noble pursuit as well, though. I'm afraid I may have to switch our gears on which bit of knowledge we're tracking down at the moment. Oh really? I did make some progress on on uh, recovering the the text of the book that I have. Uh, it seems to be going well, but okay. Perhaps once we get a little bit farther, we can compare the two to make sure that uh, the texts align. Make sure that one of them isn't a fake. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should sit compare down them. and read them out loud to each other. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at this bit of chanting. 
Let's, <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> yeah, uh, randomly. <laughs> yeah. Just make copies of it and then have like a whole church full of people. <laughs> right. You know what we should do? We should record this so we don't have to keep saying it. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's save a lot of time. It's a good thing we have a house out in the middle of nowhere with an earthen fruit cellar. <laughs> All right. So you guys get one of your uh, more regular waitresses today. So she, for those that have come here often, which I suppose is everybody but Detective Glover, uh, she already has your general order down, but you know, what can I get for you, hun? And mm. that sort of thing. Yeah, I'll, uh, two eggs over easy, some uh, bacon, sausage, and some toast with butter. <laughs> You're really going all out. Your wife out of town. I've been starving. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but oats. Oats, some carrots from time to time. It's, it's horrible. All right. Sketchy, so she goes like off. Like a horse, huh? I'm starting to feel like I'm a horse. <laughs> Puts in your order, and as has become the tradition at O'Lafferty's, this is where you guys determine the what events. you do for the day. So, so, gents, what's the plan? I've done my part, so far anyway. Well, I think that uh, what answers can be found will be found in the De Vermis Mysterious, so I plan on studying that today. And I'm pretty good at Latin, but just in case, I think I ought to do it at a library so I have some reference material. So what? Uh, uh, you brain set to work and I just sit around and twiddle my thumbs? Um, yes, but Is alternate that... the twiddling or you'll get arthritis. <laughs> I'm a doctor. <laughs> I, Are you I sure? You're not that. a comedian? <laughs> I wanted to Barrel know laughs. <laughs> Sorry, John. Yeah, a little bit more about, uh, <laughs> about uh, what we had found or what uh, Glover had found out about there in that bookstore is about the weird goings on about the people that have owned the books. So also a warning just to hmm. to stay safe. But has anybody been out to the property yet? Yeah, none of us have gone out there. Is, uh, uh, you want to probably head out there because with there's me, a Glover. Yeah, it looks like he's stuck with me again. Yeah, but. Gentlemen, you might not want to go out there on account of the murderous spirit that was summoned from an alternate dimension that kills people. <laughs> don't worry. We'll keep and we our, don't know how to banish it. We'll keep our distance and we'll uh, see if anything weird's been going on from the locals. We don't We don't really know enough about Jin to even know how to protect ourselves. <laughs> well, Whitmire, you know the the truth of of these sorts of things, not to just dismiss it. It could be quite dangerous to go to that property. Well, I'm not talking about going inside or anything, but I mean, you get yeah, a lay of the land a little bit. Po poke our noses around, ask some of the locals if anything weird's been going on. Yeah. Don't worry, not everyone has a nose like Whitmire over here and can smell a cop a mile away. <laughs> we'll be fine. Okay. And if it's... You've been warned. And if it's some crazy genie, I'll just wish it to not harm me. Everything will work out fine. <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, but, yeah, you you be careful, too. As uh, I said, there's, there's something with that book. Bad yeah, stuff well, happening all around you. There was uh, a time when I would have just dismissed what you said, but... Uh, those times are past, so I'll I'll be careful. Oh, you did just nearly get run down by a drunk in the street. Yeah, and your yeah, but I'm sure that's burnt. I'm sure that's not related. Oh, of course not. But maybe right? as we we hear like four or five more while we're eating just during the course of breakfast, <laughs> have like 
weird animals throwing themselves against the window trying to get at him. There's a small <laughs> explosion in the kitchen and a steak knife buries itself next to his head. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Andrews and Mr. Monroe, you're, you're going to head back to the library then? Yeah. And keep working on translating the inscription on the sarcophagus? Yeah. And... Dr. Andrews, you're going to dig into the Day Vermis Mysterious. Mysterious. You guys got to be careful. I hear lots of weirdos hang out at them libraries. Yeah, but you don't know that. We are the weirdos. Um, Or at least I am. I'm just saying it could hurt your reputation. But you know what? I am going to take it seriously, the the curse. And so I'll stop by home and leave my knife at home. All right. All right. And, And I'll top off my flask. I suppose it would be suspicious if he called up the old man that at the bookstore that they stole it from to ask him how to well, alleviate the curse. <laughs> what about you, uh, Monroe? You know anything about the curses? Maybe a way to prevent it? Seems to be this uh, kind of your field. Do I know any any well, you superstitions guys, or anything that might be able to help uh, protect him? You can give an occult role. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a thing. I'll roll my... I have a really high... I don't, but I'll roll it. Hard success, yeah. I got a failure, though, which will cancel out his success. So I start saying stuff, and it and it's so dumb that it uh, takes his that skill away. <laughs> My mother what? had something similar. <laughs> Onions in a sock with, uh, with some sort of spice stuck oh, in yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, in your case, Dr. Andrews, your, your occult knowledge is somewhat um, watered down by this new catholic background you're getting in there and, and in that context there there's like exorcisms and blessing houses and banishing things now lance monroe has a more in-depth knowledge in that when it comes to curses you don't really get rid of the curse it's more about avoiding it mm-hmm. or containing it or putting it off on someone else right yeah and um if you were to take it at face value monroe um if whitmire had bad luck because he had the book, and now Dr. Andrews has bad luck because he has the book. It's not some sort of emanating curse that seems to pass by Whoever's perhaps ownership it. of yeah. the, the book or so physical hire possession. So somebody yeah. to hold the book the for book. you. So stop by Orion's bookstore. and Dr. Him. Call. Paging Dr. Call. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Lamar. He probably, Lamar Dr. Gets... Call probably does speak Latin. Yeah, he you could does. ask him to translate. Yeah, but I don't All wanna... you do need to do is get someone to hold, hang on to the book for you. That's yeah, it. To own it. Dr. Call you around. But you do know that Part of that occult thing is curses aren't like, it's not like a program yeah. where you can trick it necessarily, right? It, it works on intent rather than, than law, right? It's usually how they are in the stories anyways. So, you know, like a, a, a protagonist in some of these old tales might think they've shed the curse because they found some sort of loophole. But as they often in the final act do, they find that the curse is not departed at all. Yeah. So read quickly. Yeah. Um, did you mention that the old man had uh, found a way to stop the curse? Yeah. Well, he didn't stop it, according to him. He uh, sort of contained it, but he kept it locked in a room, and he didn't go in there and uh, armed, or uh, he didn't let anyone else go in there either, for that matter. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you could potentially try to do that. Did he have any uh, weird symbols? Not that you saw, no. Yeah, just kept it in a room. Yeah, and do you still have the chest that was on top of it? 
I mean, it, that was Whitmire. I thought you had it. You and I but, had that. Uh, I think you left it in your safe house in New York. Yeah, okay. that's Whitmire. what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't have it with oh, me. A I different, can probably okay. get it shipped here if we I thought he had to, it, though. I thought that he had the chest with him on the train. No, as far as I knew, he had uh, stashed it there. But if that's your memory of yeah. it and that coincides with Whitmire's, then that's more than likely what yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah he stashed no, it. For a time, I stashed it in the house, and then I would. Because I, I, I remember you looked in there, I, I and I just can't remember now. I described it had heavy objects. Yeah, well, just do like if we don't know, do a yeah. 50/50 that's right. And, it had heavy objects on there, um, and I remember you there, dumping them I out. Took them out. Yeah, yeah. And put and, the book inside. Okay, it, I believe. So yeah, he yeah. would still have it. Okay, it's probably in Monroe's storeroom at this very moment. Then probably full of. Mm-hmm. Various stuff that were stored in the room as well. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll, I guess part of it is I'll just suggest doing storing it the same way that the old man had before, where you know he put had, the he had that on top of the book for some reason. Yeah, yeah, not, just store it the, the same way since we don't really know how the curse. So when you're not reading it, put in a room with a yeah, putting it in a side room. Well, that does give you one thought from your occult knowledge is that sometimes, you know, noble metals are sovereign over curses and stuff. So like if you were to encase something in gold, doesn't get rid of the the curse, but contains it in some way. So, you know, maybe you had something silver in there or, or, you know, whatnot. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll suggest, you know, that. Well, anyway, I feel the burning daylight here. Yeah, it's a bunch of kooky talk. <laughs> yeah. So I'll... Uh, Everyone knows that gold. <laughs> I'll leave 50 cents on the table okay. on top of whatever I uh, pay for my bill. And All right, with Maya, how are we getting down there? And I'll <laughs> kind of start trying to move them. Oh, awesome. Well, great. All right, with Maya, you know that... Um, at least from what you heard, that this Ross's Corners is supposed to be just, you know, maybe like 10 to 20 miles outside of Arkham. It's supposed to be just a small town. So it's a matter of getting up to Arkham by car is like two hours, so maybe two or three hours by the time you guys could get into Ross's Corners. Okay. And you're riding with him, Mm -hmm. Clever. All right, so... um, So it's really kind of like a more of a hamlet, right? They really don't have much in this town when you get there. They have a bus stop where you see that a bus is supposed to come through here twice a day, taking people to and from a bigger town, in this case, Arkham. And there's just a few tired buildings and homes. You can tell that this place has fallen on hard times. So you have a church, a combination, general store, post office, gas station, and then uh, the the biggest structure is a milk depot, which seems to be their main export here in Ross's Corners. And that's what you guys see when Whitmire's car comes trundling down the main road there. So how are we going to play this, Whitmire? Well, I, yeah, if, if anybody knows anything around here, then or if they've heard of any of the goings-on out there, then they shouldn't, uh, shouldn't usually be that shy about All you right. know, often Shall sharing I? some stories. Uh, let's go see if we can find... Uh, Find somewhere for some lunch. I mean, it's been three hours. So what, See like a member of the family kicked it and they left it to you or something? Um, yeah, I mean... Close to the truth is as possible it, then? Yeah, it's, it's uh, about as accurate as I think we're going to get. All right. 
I had you buy me lunch the other day, so I'll buy you lunch this time. Let's get some food. <laughs> so yeah, here that looking to you guys, that comes down to the general store slash post office slash gas station as the only place you might be able to grab some food as there are no restaurants or cafes in a town this small that are knocking door to door. Nah. Hey, you guys having lunch? Can we join uh, you? Gas station. Is, <laughs> Always uh, I'm sure they have something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when you guys go in there, you have a, um, you know, an older woman, uh, sort of a dour expression, but that could just be the number of teeth that are missing in her mouth. It's kind of trying the, the, the face down a little bit. It's a little sunken in, but she does give you a bright smile despite the lack of teeth when she sees you get you guys come in and she greets you. Oh, how are you doing? Welcome. I'll give her a big smile back. Uh, Ah, we're doing good so far. That's quite a drive out of town. <laughs> uh, and which town would that be? Um, well. Oh, Boston, of course. Yeah, Boston. That is a ways. Are you boys up here fishing or camping? I know a lot of what most folks are doing when they come through here. I'll go find some food, Whitmire. You <laughs> tell the lady. And I'll go uh, <laughs> gather in some food. Like, I don't know. What the heck do we got at this yeah, so, I mean, you could buy, like, at the general store, you have stuff that people in this town make and sell. Mm. So, you know, it, it could be they made their own cheese or whatever, you know. So, you'd buy, like, a wheel of cheese. You know, uh, there's Maybe tinned meats bread, and whatnot, pork and beans, meats. that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'll uh, go with some cheese, some bread, and if they got it, maybe, like, some dry-aged or whatnot, something that might store. Right. And just, you know get a small chunk of it that we can slice up, make some sandwiches or something. Okay. Some mustard. They probably got decent mustard. <laughs> so, yeah, Glover goes off down the aisles and starts picking a few things out. Well, Whitmire, you're talking to this woman, the proprietor. Yeah, I'm just going to let her, you know, no, we're not out here fishing or camping, although that might happen, you know, hopefully someday soon. As, uh, but uh, I was actually, uh, we were out here, because uh, I had a, an unfortunate event in the family. Is my, had, um, I will call him my... Grandfather? Yeah, well, I was going to say like a great uncle or something died. Yeah. And uh, he, he lived out at, at this place, and I'll give him, you know, whatever that... I can't remember the name of that farm now. Did it have a name in the uh, handout? Well, well, who... Uh, there's a lot of old farms out here, but who, who owned the place? Uh Rupert Merriweather. Oh, yeah. That old place, yeah. Has a reputation with the kids for being haunted, but it's just neglected. And as far as I know, he pays his taxes out there every year. You say he's died? Yeah, he, he had an unfortunate accident overseas and, and uh, died. Well. So he had left me the, the property. And, yeah, I, I'd heard a few things about it and was hoping to come down and take a look, but what. Uh, what stories do the kids mention? Uh, what reputation does it have? Well, same reputation any rundown house has. They just say it's haunted. They don't really get specific about it. I don't really pay them any mind. There's a lot of haunted places here in Ross's Corners. You have the old train depots haunted. You have half a dozen barns. There's not a lot to do around here. Kids have active imaginations. So. Other than haunt places? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently when you die. But uh, I'm sorry to hear your uncle passed away. I, you think 
Merriweather was unknown here, but people thought well of him because he paid his taxes. So, so is tax uh, evasion a uh, regular occurrence out here? <laughs> well, no, because but they... I, I run this side <laughs> business, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, inventing something called insurance just so people can defraud it. Well, you know, some of these uh, some of these farmers from out town have bought up a lot of property here, and they kind of get away from from paying those, and and they go directly into the community, which is why we have such a a fine main street here. That's said sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah we we don't plan on as uh, you know I don't plan on skipping out on taxes or anything. Oh, <laughs> that traditional life. So. Um, but you, I have you been out here, been out here your whole life? Yes, since I was a girl. Yeah, you never heard of the no strange going ons out there? No, the folks who owned it before Merriweather, just a uh, husband and wife, uh, tried out farming, but it didn't work out for him, so they left, and then he bought it after, and he's never out here, never has been out here, as far as I know. Well. I, you know, you you hear these stories and everything, and you know, you you've got to obviously they gain a little bit of interest in some corner of your mind. But like I said we're just out here to check it out. Now you said that there was some good uh, camping or fishing spots out here, huh? Oh yeah, there's um all all kinds of little ponds. If you go down Boone Boone Road, which is actually where your property is located, you just keep going past that, and you'll start running into them. Well, I I appreciate your time and and the we stories. We got um, live bait back in that cooler. If you need, uh, my husband pulls them out of the earth himself. Yeah. Hey, when did you say you arrived here? Uh, just uh, just pulled a few into town minutes ago. Oh, okay. Why? Oh, I I was just wondering if you guys had been here a while or not. You can give me a psychology roll. Both of us, or just him? Uh, just Whitmire. You're back here trying to determine which mustard is going to work the best. Success. <laughs> Congratulations. Nice. All right. So uh, there's there's a bit of, you know, the proverbial Yankee reticence um, with anybody you interact with once you get out of, outside of Boston and whatnot, where they kind of just give you strange looks. But you see something a little bit more curious in her asking you uh, when you got here. Like There's a little bit more to that question than and came out of her mouth. So, hmm. well, time to torture. Hmm. Um, hmm. <laughs> I'm a very dangerous man. I don't man with a think I mode. use it very much, but uh, maybe try, maybe try like a charm or uh, persuasion to get her to tell me. Yeah, you could definitely do charm. Okay, this is really low, so we'll see if it works. No. <laughs> Tell well, me what least, you know. <laughs> at least you tried. <laughs> so that's basically what uh, Glover gets to hear. Is me shouting. Push it. At <laughs> no, he, you haven't pushed it, so you're not yelling yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. As uh, no, I mean, yeah, I'll uh, I'll kind of leave it as as that though. It'd be like you know what? Not sure. Uh, yeah, do I look? What do was I that look, look about? like? Uh, someone that you had uh, <laughs> that you seen around before, or no, no, have nothing. I been in here. 
and I'll start looking suspiciously <laughs> at the reflective surfaces. <laughs> Nothing like that. We just, uh, Mr. McFurter, uh, put in that his wife was missing, uh, last night. And so if you get any suspicious looks, you might, you might get today, which you will get, I should say. It's on account of that. Folks are a little shy about strangers when somebody up and goes missing. Yeah. So I'll come back around this Well, I do like to fool around. I definitely <laughs> wasn't with anybody's wife last night. Well, I don't think it's like that. You know, they're old folks and that's what makes it unusual. You know, oh. <laughs> I hate to think the worst is she probably just went for a walk and fell down or something like old folks do nine times yeah. out of ten it's the husband this comes from a woman who seems ancient to you uh, with my, <laughs> yeah. but yeah so uh glover no, you come around the corner yeah. and you're hearing this I, i'm gonna come back i'm gonna have the bread the cheese some sort of dried aged meat yeah and i'm gonna have like three or four small little glass jars of mustard and i'll kind of have that perplexed look that that right. uh, I think in the modern era is kind of called like weaponized incompetence. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll just kind of come back. I'm, like, ma'am, I'm so sorry, but which one of these would you suggest? What my, kind of meat you have? I'll show her. You know, like you know, my wife's been out of town. I haven't. This is this is probably going to be a feast for me, but right. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> so she picks out a, a mustard that makes an appropriate merit a pairing for the ham or whatever you came back with. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, thank you. You're a doll. She's, uh, <laughs> after she does that, I will mention. Uh, do you, you hear that, Glover? Uh, but you can go ahead and give your got, psychology attempt a, a now. Missing, missing wife in town, so we may get a uh, question how long we've been here. Oh, no, not today. Sean, mission he's, he's too into that sandwich. <laughs> well, yeah, I am hungry. Yeah, well, like I was telling your friend here, uh, Mr. McFurter put in a missing persons report. I guess his wife took a walk um, yesterday morning, and she just never came home, which is unusual. So, Have the police been out here yet? Uh, the sheriff's doing what he can. That's just him, though. So oh. we don't have regular police out here. Too small for it. Yeah, yeah. That's just horrible. Perhaps, uh, perhaps we could go pay the sheriff a visit. I'm, I'm a detective out of Boston, so maybe I could help him out. Uh, you, you wouldn't have to know anything more about it other than what you've already told my friend here, right? No, they've been married forever now. Um, they just don't make any fuss. They come in and buy what they need every now and then. Um, that's really it. So any sort of running off with a Another man, you know, it's just that the imaginations of the folks around here get running wild and they start thinking murder. And I just wanted to let you know that if anybody treats you, gives you the cold shoulder, it's probably on account of that because you're strangers in town when people have gone missing. So, of course, of course, looking out for your customers. I understand. And the idea, even at my age, the idea of running away with with a paramour of some sort just hurts my hip. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not running anywhere right yeah i'm gonna uh i'll give uh glover a, a knowing look though because we know what really happened farmhouse investigation <laughs> go well anyhow um is that gonna be all for you guys what you got there yeah whitmire you got anything else uh, maybe grab a couple of colas if they have them. 
I don't know what they put in that, but sure peps me right up. Yeah, they got them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I got a couple back here on ice. There's not much call for them, but a few people come in and ask. You're welcome to them. Just two bottles, do you? Yeah. All right. Makes me all twitchy. (laughs) Okay, so she (laughs) packs everything up for you, and she says, uh, just take the road north out of town. Your spot is about two miles hence. Mm. You'll see a path. That goes on the property. There's an old tree who was struck by lightning a few years ago there. That's how you know it. Wow. Have a good day, gentlemen. You shall. You are uh, you, you as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's cut over to Dr. Andrews for the final scene. Mm. Where were you doing your studying, studying just at uh, home? <clears throat> no, at the library. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. In case I need reference material for Latin. Gotcha. So go ahead and give me your Latin roll. Push it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you? What would happen if I pushed it and failed? Oh, oh, oh! He accidentally is. He's reading. You know, like translating, but he's reading out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you might be cursed. Um, this is a um, mythos tome that you're wanting to push on, so I don't think it'll be good. A mythos tome that is supposed to have information on the summoning and binding of spirits from other worlds. The other tome also. Yeah, I didn't sort live of fl- this long by being careless, so I'll uh, not push it. Okay. <laughs> well, you can read parts of it, right? Yeah. You know. And, so um, basically what I'll do then is I'll just like, you know, have like a notepad or whatever and make notations for the areas that I couldn't decipher so I can go back yeah. later. Yeah. yeah, you're getting. This is really re- where you're hitting the the walls and specific Latin words that you're not getting the correct translation. It like the 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 thing that pops into your head when you're reading it doesn't make sense in the context of the sentence. So you're gonna have to stop and spend some more time with it. Yeah. Um, but just as you had seen on the floor of the man who had the other copy of the De Vermis Mysterious in his study, there that strange symbol. As you're sort of browsing through it, you see it there on the page. And we just close the scene with you looking at it thoughtfully. Instead of scribed on the floor, it's just again on the page. All right, guys. Thanks for playing. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I was gonna I was gonna say that I do you think the uh the guy who died with the other book pushed his role? <laughs> <laughs> Almost certainly. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening.